Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael preaches on being hungry for hunger. I'm going to jump in pretty quick this morning. Um, Somebody told me one time that they don't come to church to hear stand-up comedy. If they wanted to hear that, they would go to the club. And uh, I said, well, I'm sorry, but that's just part of who I am. But I'm going to try to skip a little bit of that today just to get started. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be quicker. I was watching some of the videos, and I'm like, I could be quicker if I didn't have such a long intro. So good morning. Love y'all. Let's go. All right. So last week, uh, we kind of started um, just talking about bearing fruit. We were talking about the promised land. We were talking about... Uh, being hungry. We kind of left last week uh, proposing to you guys to assess where you are. We talked about um, folks are either in Egypt or you're maybe at the Red Sea. Maybe you're somewhere in the time in the wilderness when you're partaking of manna and being provided for on a daily basis, but there's no extra And uh, maybe you're in the promised land, but you are uh, just not advancing in the promised land. Because we looked last week that even when they went into the promised land, there were still greater exploits to be done in the promised land, right? They were continuing to take new ground, and they were continuing to lose ground, some folks. So even in the promise, we can go through those things and that's not meant to be heavy or like Jahan said, fearful. Um, we went uh, Sunday night, I believe last week to uh, down to Chattanooga, times of refreshing. They, they kind of had an eight year, I guess you call it a reunion of that. And um, Damon Thompson was there and speaking and just brought such fresh revelation of the kingdom, and I thought, I've thought for a while that I am uh, so non-religious and so free and so full of grace, and I discovered Sunday night that I'm not and that I have a long way to go still. And I was trying to find a way to articulate it, articulate it, articulate it. I discovered I have a long way to go and to discover that there's not a long way to go. Does that make sense? So I discovered that I'm way far off of realizing that I'm not far off. Okay? And and, And so that's kind of where I am. And so I was just reflecting even on last Sunday and I just want, I just want to, we have to not be afraid to encourage and to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, challenge. That's not my word, but it'll work. We can't be afraid to challenge people. We can't be afraid to call you higher without putting on this yoke of striving. And so I even asked you guys last Sunday before I spoke, I, want, I don't want to speak this word unless you can receive it as a call uh, to receive more. 
not to do more, but to receive more. And so when we assess where we are, I hope we discover wherever we are that there is more. There is a greater glory. There is a greater um, promise to lay hold of, lands to partake of. So we were looking at Numbers chapter 13 when the uh, 12 spies went in to spy out the promised land. And we know that 10 of them came back and gave a negative report. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, gave a positive report. Okay, And they brought back, we talked a lot about last week, they brought back a cluster of grapes that had to be carried between two poles, between two, I said two poles last week too, <laughs> between two men on a pole, all right? Had to be carried between two men on a pole. That's how big a cluster of grapes was. Uh, Jahan, I think, says in a song in a time of ad-lib, grapes bigger than your face, and that would probably be accurate. A cluster of grapes as big as your head would have to be carried on a pole between two men. Brought some pomegranates, bought, brought some figs back. Um, and so just on a side note, I, I just was thinking this week that they brought figs back from the promised land. And I just reminded of when Jesus went to eat from a fig tree and there were no figs and he cursed the fig tree right? And there's some awesome stuff we go into, the fact that it had leaves, but it didn't have figs, and just some good stuff. But I just want to say that people are coming to you as carriers of the promise. They should be able to take figs back, all right? They should be able to take figs back. They should be going home every day after work contemplating the figs that they've seen that day. They should be contemplating the grapes bigger than your face that makes them want to uh, join you in partaking of promise. So we talked last week about the giants in the land and the fact that when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush about the promised land and about all of the great things, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land with all these promises, he also told them about all the ites that were there all of the opposition that was there. So we discovered last week that part of the promise is the resistance to the promise. Because a promise without resistance does not produce endurance to endure the promise. All right, so actually resistance is part of the promise. We are promised that we will go through hardship. We are promised that we will go through trials, right? And so it, it gives us, I, I like to think of it like this. Um, you know, Caleb said that the giant, he ate the giants for his bread. I mean, who wants jelly without bread? You know, you get the grapes, you make the jelly, but it just ain't as good. It's not as filling without the bread. I need some giants with my grapes. Okay, I've said it before that I believe, you know, if the Lord gives you this beautiful tract of land that's fertile and it produces great crops and there's these giants on it, people of God should say, awesome. I'm gonna need some people to tend my garden. The Lord has included free labor with my crop. He says there's no blessing, with the blessing will not come the hardship of maintaining it. 
Are you with me? So I mean, it's all how you look at it. I, mean, I want some giants on my land. Put them to work. I want some toast for my jelly. But I love the, the last verse here. We also saw the Nephilim there. This is a Numbers 13, verse 33. We also saw the Nephilim there. The sons of Anak were part of the Nephilim, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. I mean, so what determines whether we're grasshoppers or not? They saw us as grasshoppers, so we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. No, we saw ourselves wrong. So they saw us wrong. We saw ourselves wrong. We saw the promise wrong. We saw the resistance wrong. We saw all of it wrong. So we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We saw them as giants. We saw the promise as something that could not be partaken of. And so we just forsook it and wandered around in the wilderness and never got to taste it. These 10 spies. I believe there's so many things that are laid out for us, that are given to us, that are prepared for us that we don't get to partake of because the foundational lie comes in of how we see ourselves. How we see ourselves. If we saw ourselves correctly, there would be nothing on this earth that we would feel disqualified from. Because he's paid for it all. And it's yours. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we, re- we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we're destroying speculations. We're destroying strongholds, these arguments that raise up against the knowledge of God. Our knowledge of him, our thoughts of him, these speculations that come about. I was just thinking, a revelation that you come to through opposition is a revelation that you won't easily surrender. It will have more value to you. You will hold it more dear. You will fight for it. You will contend for it. You will build your house on it. But a revelation that your mom and dad had that they pushed on you and you reluctantly accepted and you weren't really sure and it never was tested is a revelation that you will easily trade off when your college professor tells you that that's not true. So we need the giants to solidify what we know. Because when I whip a giant, I know I'm not a grasshopper. I might beat the worst team in the league, but that doesn't mean I'm great. I might be the tallest pygmy, but that doesn't mean anything. 
But I know when I sling a sling, a stone in a sling, and I drop a giant and cut off its head, I know I'm a bad mamma jamma. Huh? Something changes in my DNA. Something changes in how I think about myself. When God leads me to a valley to face a giant and brings me out victorious, I'll never be the same. What David say when he walked up to Saul? He said, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear with my own hands. That became part of who he was. And what became part of who he was after that day? And I killed a giant who taunted the entire Israelite army for 40 days and 40 nights. It changes who we are. We can't resist the resistance. Or all we'll be left with is watered down revelation. Wouldn't even call it revelation. I'd call it knowledge. But revelation comes through victory, comes through seeing God move, comes through experience, comes through encounter. Our greatest deficiency is the ability to believe that God is as big as he really is. It takes a transformation of the mind to be able to even begin to believe God can do all that he says he can do. There has to be new mercies every morning. You know, there's new mercies every morning. Those new mercies are just to prepare you that you would be able to possibly tap into an understanding of how great he is for that day. And we're just praying for God, give me mercy to survive today. No, you need mercy to tap into how great he is and how much this day holds for you. The mercy's not to survive. The mercy is to thrive. The mercy is to conquer. The mercy is to take new ground. The mercy is to dare to believe. We're singing today, like I always say, the seraphims, I believe when they're circling around the throne and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. I believe every time they're circling and they're looking at him, they can't help but just to keep saying holy. It's a perpetual discovery of his wholeness that they never get enough of. They thought they were done. I just said holy, but I just saw a new dimension. Holy, holy. For eternity, they'll be saying holy because for eternity, they'll be discovering more of him. We need mercy just to even scratch the surface. The worst thing we can do is think we've seen it all become apathetic and indifferent that there's more. I love Ephesians chapter three. For this reason, I bend my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now listen to this, starting in verse six, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, what are we thinking of right there? A new car, I mean, streets of gold, right? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit. I mean, in the inner self, what is that power for? Heal the sick, raise the dead. Power! Come on, I want that power. But he's not even praying for that power for that. 
We need all of this power. We need all of this glory. We need all of this richness of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, you've got to root yourself and ground yourself in love just to be able, verse 18, to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you'll be filled up to the fullness of God. I mean, he's praying all this, man, Lord, all the riches of heaven, will you give it to them so that they can just begin to understand? All this strength of power and might, will you give to them? Not that they can do great things, just that they can begin to just see right. It takes the resources of heaven released in your life to just for you to see how good he is. And I love that Paul, he's praying for him, and then he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And he just prayed that we would be able to see, and then he says, I'm praying to a God who's gonna do more than you could ever imagine. I'm gonna have to pray for y'all again. Holy, 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 Lord, please let them see. Oh, oh, Lord, please let them see. I mean, Paul would have to be in a perpetual state of praying for us to be able to see the more that we can't think or imagine. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Hunger is a sign of physical and spiritual health. Lack of hunger is a sign of illness. You know, in the physical body, John, Rob, we got doctors, nurses. I mean, it's one of the telltale signs. What do we say if somebody's struggling? Maybe in hospice. What's one of the most important things? Man, they haven't eaten in three days. I can't get them to eat anything. I can't get them to take anything. I can't get, I mean, that's a telltale sign of sickness. And the more extreme our lack of eating is, the more extreme our illness is. But as health, I mean, Jeremy Bean is healthy, y'all. I mean, if an appetite is a sign of health, that man is healthy. We went and ate all-you-can-eat ribs last Saturday night. The man is healthy. <laughs> Hunger is a sign of physical and spiritual health. I'm gonna put a, trying to put a yoke on you today, but like I said, I've had to pray many times for myself, Lord, please help my hunger. Because I'm not hungry. I'm apathetic. I'm settled, I'm satisfied, but I wanna be hungry. Where there is no hunger, there's a lack of spiritual health. Hunger is the evidence of humility. You can't be proud and prideful and be hungry because you have to make everybody think you're full. And you are full of it. 
No man goes away empty unless he's full of himself. It takes humility to be hungry. Humility to the point where I'll do whatever it takes to eat. I'll dig through a dumpster. Let me just go on to say, we've talked about a critical spirit. You can't be hungry and have a critical spirit. You'll lose your critical spirit. You'll dig through a dumpster. You'll watch a teaching from anybody. I know. Hold on, everybody. Whoa. Has he eat anything? Dr. Horton, our spiritual father, you say, eat the meat, spit out the bones. But come on, man. Holy Spirit can use a donkey. Surely he can use that pastor you're critical about. You can't have a critical spirit if you're hungry. In the natural, you get hungry by not eating. Man, I hadn't ate all day. In the spiritual, you get hungry by eating. The more you eat, the more hungry you are. So I don't care how lack of hunger you are, buddy. Hey, I'm telling you, this is my life. I got to do it. I've been in this thing a long time. I'm not always hungry. I love to say I am. Wake up at four every morning. Hungry. Starving. Sometimes I got to make my body I got to make myself more hungry for the word than I am for food. When my body's more hungry for food than the word, sometimes I got to say, you can't have food. You need to have more word. And then I eat it until I want it. Eat it until I want it. Get in his presence until I want to be in his presence. Worship until I want to worship. That's why you can't have a critical spirit because you'll check out before you ever get to the point that you want to be there. The more you eat, the more hungry you are. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes it's like a little baby with the peas. You just have to force it in. And then you realize you like it. I used to do it on a roller coaster. It'd take... Everybody three hours to get me on one, then I'd just run around and get back in line all day. That's how it is in the kingdom. Come on, this is a kingdom of of abundance. Five loaves and two fish feeds five thousand plus women, children, baskets full left over, pulling in nets so full of fish that they're breaking. This is the kingdom we're talking about. People in this kingdom can't afford to be people that say, I I've had enough. Brazeros. Brazilian Steakhouse. The Picanha, the special. Perfectly cooked on a sword. Rotisserized. It's not a word. Don't look it up. So that every bite has the perfect char with a slight ring of fat around that gorgeous horseshoe of meat. 
Just enough. Just enough. Jeremy, you hungry? <laughs> but here's what you do there. You can have all the meat, literally. It's not even like the Chinese buffet that says, you come, you eat, you no stay all day. <laughs> Brazil, you stay all day if you want to. You got a little coaster on your table. One side's green, one side's red. Long as you leave it on green, here come the swords with every kind of meat you could imagine. And they'll just cut it off and give you more. Long as you keep it on green. Long as you keep it on green. Long as you position yourself on green. But you flip it over on red, I don't care how much special they got in the back, you're not getting any more. You told them, I'm done. Most of us are as full of God as we want to be. We flip it over on red. But if you're hungry, you'll do whatever it takes. In 2 Kings chapter 7, awesome story. Elisha has declared there's going to be a famine in Samaria, and it comes. This famine gets so great that they're eating terrible stuff, like they're selling donkey heads and eating them. So great that two women come before the king in a fight because they came into an agreement that one day they're going to kill one of the women's sons and eat it. And the next day they're supposed to eat the other woman's son. And they ate the first woman's son. The next day the second woman hid her son. That's how bad the famine was. And Elisha comes and he says, the Lord gives Elisha a word and he comes and he says, by this time tomorrow, I don't have all of the numbers, the shekels and bushels and all those numbers right now, okay? It's in there, we can read it, but I'm trying to paraphrase it for time. But pretty much what he says, tomorrow by this time, all of the best food items you can imagine that you desire, it's gonna be like the blue light special. I mean, it's gonna be on clearance. There's gonna be so much of it tomorrow at this time. And one of the king's servants said, he mocked Elisha, he said, even if God opened windows in heaven, <laughs> like there's windows in heaven, <laughs> mocking him, even if God opened windows in heaven, could that possibly be that we would have that by tomorrow? And Elisha said, it's going to happen, but you won't taste it. There's 10 lepers outside the city. And they're sitting there. Wait, did I get that right? Where are we at? Four lepers, I'm sorry. See, I got my two stories. 10 lepers get healed, nine, you know what I mean? There's lots of leper stories in the Bible. I didn't want an email this week. It was four lepers, not 10, sir. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. 
working through Matthew C with my kids right now, all right? So, four lepers sitting outside the city. They're cast out, right? They can't be in there. They're unclean. They decide one day, if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into the Armenians' camp, Arme let me get that word right. Hold on just a minute. Yeah, Armenians' camp then they'll probably kill us, but we won't die either way. I kind of rather get killed quick than die of starvation. So they go into this camp. I need to make this story quicker. They go into this camp. The Lord has scattered this army, and they've left their entire village there. And these four lepers begin to just take whatever they want and plunder it. And they look at each other, and they say, this is wrong for us just to sit here and take all this. Let's go back to Samaria and tell them that they can come. They go to Samaria. Samaria says, you're lying. You're trying to get us there and get us killed. I mean, people are so weird, right? And so eventually they said, let's send out some scouts. They go. Big thing is they go, they get all this plunder from this camp. And so they bring it into the city and exactly what Elisha said was going to happen, happened. I mean, he even had the price. I mean, we can look at the price. Like, you know, a loaf of bread is going to be going for 57 cents. And the next day, a loaf of bread was 57 cents. And the people got so excited, they kind of made a stampede to get all this stuff. And they ran over the king's servant. <laughs> and they killed him. And he didn't get to partake of it. What's really cool, another side note. Y'all want to hear a side note or not? All right. So Malachi chapter 3. I love this. Everybody know the verse that says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this and see if I'll not. And there's quotations there. Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain and rebuke the devourer on your behalf, right? Dude, this is referencing this guy in Kings who was taunting Elisha. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love the Bible? So Malachi is saying, if you give, bring tithe in, I'll do what I did in Kings. I will open the windows of heaven. I like doing that stuff when they made fun of me. Isn't that beautiful? So that's where that comes from. It's so awesome. But here's the point. Those four lepers made a decision. That's the decision we have to make. I'd rather die than sit here and starve. That's when you, you don't get picky. You don't, I mean, people say, man, I'm just not getting fed. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. Eat. I was joking with Jean. She said something the other day. I don't even remember what she said. I think it was yesterday. Something about I didn't do or something. We were just having fun. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Nobody put you in the pool. The pool of Bethesda. Sorry, no one fed you out of the pig pen. All right, those are just a couple of stories. I, I would be healed, but nobody would put me in the pond. I would have ate in the pig pen, but nobody was there to feed me out of the slop. They didn't like that. I think they didn't understand. 
I think they think it was mean. They just didn't understand. She said she didn't like it either. Well, you laughed really good. It was fun. Huh? She slapped me. Yeah, I don't like it either. I forgot that part. I don't like that story. See, I knew we'd work in a little bit of stand-up in there for y'all. So I talked about hunger last week. This week, I really wanted to get in on how we produce fruit. But I just talked about hunger more. And now I have to stop. So next week, we're going to talk about how to produce fruit. Man, I was so excited to talk about this today. But we got to be hungry. We got to be hungry. Hungry to know him. Hungry to know who we are. Don't get, don't be starved out on a wrong idea of who you are. Don't get starved out on thinking you're a grasshopper. Grasshoppers can't eat much. If you think you're a grasshopper, you'll be content on a leaf. Right? Come on. See yourself as a man who needs nourishment. See yourself as a beautiful woman who needs choice foods. See yourself as one who has been provided for a table prepared with a feast that you can partake of. Don't see yourself as less than you are. Will you stand up with me this morning? So we recapped last Sunday today. We'll recap it again next week. Oh, my goodness. Something happened. Aren't y'all thankful for the media team? Man, are we taking this journey in the most healthy way? This journey last week and this week, can we take this in the most healthy way imaginable as the people of God? Can we take this, can we walk out of this without any type of heaviness or condemnation, but can we walk out of this with so much anticipation and excitement for increase and health? and fullness. Can everybody just bow your heads with me real quick? I want to be faithful in this. Just bow your heads right where you are. Anybody in this room, I just... And you would say this morning, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't even really know what you're talking about. I don't know what it means to be hungry. I don't even know what you're talking about when you're talking about the things of God and freedom and health and wholeness and our spirit and hunger. 
I don't even have a relationship with him. I don't even know him. I don't even, I haven't even began a journey with him. If that was you, would you just lift your hand up real quick while everybody's heads are bowed? Just lift your hand up right where you are. Awesome. Awesome. So Lord, we're your people. I think it's your desire for us to open ourselves up, position ourselves, flip over our indicator that we're ready, that we're open, that we are desiring encounter. We're in desiring fellowship. We're desiring Revelation, we're desiring increase and overflow. But I believe that's what you've called me to do over these last couple of weeks is just position us for that. That our heart would be turned to you with expectation, like the lame man at the gate that Peter and John approached. And when they walked up, he looked at them with anticipation and with expectation. Lord, you just want your people to position ourselves looking to you with anticipation and expectation. Just begin to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Begin to turn soil that's been just overcome with thorns and with vines and where there's just, it's just not inhabitable at all for the blessings of God to spring up because of lies and deception and thoughts about ourselves and thoughts about you, strongholds, cares and concerns and just wrong thinking. Hard soil, compacted soil, thorny soil, rocky soil, things that have just crept in. And we become so accustomed to it and so used to it that we just survive on whatever little things sprout up. But God, you want us to be a fruitful people. A fruitful people. Let us taste and see that you are good you are full and you're overflowing. God, I just want to be open. I just want to be open. Can we just lift our hands just as a sign of just, Lord, I just want to be open. I just want to be open. I just see when you're running and you're short of breath and you, the thing you gotta do is put your hands up on top of your head so you can open up your diaphragm. I just see him asking us to just open up. Our capacity to breathe him in, to receive him more. Lord, let us leave here today with such an excitement, such an anticipation, such a 
desire, such a hunger. Lord, and if we leave here today, and some of us may say, man, I'm, I'm just not hungry. Let us leave here determined to eat anyway. Let us leave here determined to eat, to taste, and to see, to increase in hunger as we taste and we see, as we partake of your word, as we partake of your spirit, as we partake of encounter and fellowship with you. Would you increase hunger in us? Increase hunger in us. Let us move forward in promise. Let us move forward to promise. Let us move forward. Let us move forward. Let us increase in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless your people. Bless their homes. I bless their families. I bless their jobs and their workplaces, their schools, everything that they put their hand to. Let there be fruit. Let there be increase. Let there be favor. Lord, that face that Jahan talked about earlier, your face, your loving and your kind face, let that countenance shine on them. Be turned toward them. Let them see you and break off. Let it break off lies. Let it break off wrong ideas about you and your nature. Just draw near to us, work on us, change us, transform us with the richness of your kingdom, with the strength and the depth so that we can begin to see and comprehend and lay hold of all that you have for us and all that you've intended for us. Let us be a people that just doesn't stop. Just doesn't stop. In Jesus' name. So be it, so be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.